We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Hi, this is Cheryl Broderson in studio with... Robin Jones Gunn, and we have such a great surprise today. Oh, yes, today. we do. So, Trisha Goyer is with us today. Hello, Trisha. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yes, yes, yes. I've been friends with Trisha for decades, and Cheryl has recently met her. But we've been looking forward to having you on because I, I love your story, and I know our listeners are going to be able to relate to many pieces of your story, but also be encouraged by it. Now, I'm curious, first of all, before we begin, how did how did you meet Robin, Tricia? Because I've heard Robin's part, <laughs> Yeah, let's see I if wanna, the story is your side. <laughs> I love this story. Okay, so I went to my very first Mount Hermon Christian Writers Conference. I was 22 years old. I was pregnant with my third baby. Very pregnant. And Robin, very pregnant. I was, it was three weeks before I had him. And here I am, off to a writer's conference. <laughs> and Robin was one of the speakers. And I just remember, I, I think it was my friend Cindy that talked to Robin first. Cause I was so intimidated. Robin had all these books published, and she was so poised and talking about writing. Um, but Cindy introduced us. And after that, we connected, I think, over email. Um, Robin That's was I connected on, with her too. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's her Robin love language. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh. And so I was able to read some of her books when she was writing them, which was just like a privilege to be able to read and comment on this professional author's books. And she just really became a dear friend. We started a prayer group over email where mm-hmm. these writer friends would send me their prayer requests and I would compile them into an email every week and for years and years and years we just prayed for each other encouraged each other and I truly believe I would not be where I am today without so many people just encouraging me and pouring into me Um, because nothing from my past ever said oh she's gonna write Christian books or you know be in Christian ministry Um, so it was really just the encouragement of these amazing women, including Robin, that just supported me and cheered me on along the way. It was God and his timing, and it was perfect. So let's just talk, we'll jump into this story, but let's let's talk about where you're at right now. How many books have you written now? Over 80. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't actually sat down and counted them, so it might be close to 90 now. So over 80 books published, and there's there's Christian fiction, Nonfiction, children's, teens, devotional, memoir. Um, yeah, I've, I've written all of it, <laughs> and I love it so much. And hundreds of articles. Yeah, hundreds and hundreds of articles. And, and yeah. when I told Cheryl about you a couple of years ago and said, oh, yeah, she's a writer, and she's written, I don't know, like 70 or 80 books, and Trisha was like, I'm intimidated. I mean, uh, Cheryl yeah. was, I'm intimidated. I don't know about this. I don't know about this. You know, I'm, I, I'm stepping into this. Uh, so uh, what people don't realize is we're actually working on a project with Trisha and uh, with uh, Robin Pearson and with uh, Michelle uh, Yule, all all friends of Women Worth Knowing, on yes. um, taking some of our favorite stories and um, making them for young girls to be inspirational for young girls. And um, I, I got in this wonderful writers club uh, because... I came up with the idea for Women Worth Knowing, and then I met Robin, who pulled me into all this, and it is intimidating to be 
among such no, gifted it's, women. It's a sweet fellowship. It and is. It's well, so I, fun. Because all of us at the heart level want God to use these that's stories. Right. That's right. And so that's our objective in doing all this. Yes. But, you know, we have these Zoom meetings and I'm like, I love Trisha. She's so fun. She's so exuberant. And she, she's she got a great sense of humor because when I get nervous, I joke. And she kept laughing. And then I kept laughing when she would say something funny. So that's how I bonded with Trisha, even though we haven't met personally. <laughs> and, Trisha, Cheryl doesn't know your beginning stories. Mm-hmm. And she, we were saying earlier how we love stories of beauty from ashes. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't know your ashes. I would love for you to start there and just start telling us what God's done. Oh, absolutely. So um, I was born to a single mom. And I didn't know my biological dad until I was 28 years old. Wow. She had gotten, yeah, so she'd gotten pregnant in college. And, um, I mean, I, I didn't know his name. I didn't know anything for decades. And she married my stepdad when I was around four years old. But he was very, uh, the silent person in the lazy boy, I, I call him. He was a police officer. He was a Vietnam War vet. Um, He was at the house, but not really interactive with us. So it was my mom and myself. And then my little brother was born um, when I was about four and a half years old. And so we go to all the activities. My brother played sports. I was a cheerleader. And my my stepdad was there. He provided for us. But it wasn't like, how was your day? Or any, any type of really interaction. Looking back now... There's probably a lot of PTSD from being uh, mm. in Vietnam and all those, and then the police officer um, and all the pressure he faced there. So I, I really didn't understand that at the time. I just thought that I was like unworthy or unlovable and needed, a, you know, I desired attention so much from especially guys. And so at 13 years old, I started dating my friend's older brother, who was 16. Um, became sexually active at a very young age. Again, just looking for love in all the wrong places. And when I got into high school, had a different boyfriend and got pregnant when I was 15 years old and had an abortion um, because I was just so ashamed and embarrassed. Here I was, you know, honor roll student and cheerleader. And um, I'd gone to church with my mom. She became a Christian when I was in second grade, so about eight years old. So, I was not unfamiliar with church, but also it wasn't really a Christian home. So it's this balance of we go to church, I hear the right thing, but it, it wasn't really lived out at home because my stepdad was definitely not a Christian. Uh, my mom was a very new Christian. And so here I was at 15 and pregnant and thought, I'm, I can't do this. I can't let the church people know. I can't let my grandma know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that went to a Planned Parenthood clinic, which they said, you know, it's just a couple cells that you are, we're just scraping them away. Everything will be better tomorrow. And at 15, you kind of look up and listen to people and uh, respect people. And I just thought this, is, this will solve all my problems. Um, and then realizing afterwards, just the pain and the shame, the regret, the heartache that just rushed in as soon it was, as it was done, even at 15. And it led me to... Um, you know, I started going to parties with friends and drinking, didn't go to church at all because I thought, you know, God hates me now. And it really led me down a, a dark spiral, had the same boyfriend we'd be on again and off again. Um, and he was abusive 
but I thought, you know, I had an abortion to stay with him. I need to make this work. I mean, all the, all the foolish things of youth and then got pregnant again at 17 and he broke it off for good then. Um, and I decided, nope, I'm going to have this baby because there's so much regret. And years later, I realized that a lot of young women um, have a baby after an abortion because it's almost like an atonement child. They feel guilty. They need that replacement. And so um, here I was, 17 and pregnant with um, this baby. And I ended up dropping out of school, dropping out of cheerleading. Um, I was, my boyfriend went on with his life. All my friends were going on with their senior year as a senior at this time. And it was really during that time that I was my lowest of lows, just depressed, didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I would sleep until noon. Um, and it was my mom and my grandma's Bible study group that reached out to me. Wow. And they gave me a baby shower. They would invite me to Bible study. The pastor's wife would want to come over and pray with me. And I'm like, I don't want her to come. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, I was just so embarrassed and ashamed. And yeah, and Trisha, like, I love how the pin that your pastor's wife was wearing, and you asked about that. Yeah, so, yeah, after I had already had um, an abortion, my the pastor's wife was wearing this little feet pin. Um, and I said, oh, that's so cute. And she says, this is the, the feet, the footprints of a baby um, at 12 weeks along. And that's about what I was, I was 11 weeks when I had my abortion. Mm. And I just remember just the, the punch in my gut mm. and realizing like, okay, this is more, I, I felt guilty anyway, because I knew it would be a baby. Like I knew eventually if I could <laughs> stay pregnant, I would have a baby. But um, the realization that they just said, oh, it's just like a couple cells that we were just scraping away. It was just this horrifying feeling of what have I done and just the pain and the shame of that. And, you know, this was, in, this was in 1987. Right. You know, when I, when I was in school, I was in school in the 60s and 70s. I remember we learned that um, evolution recapitulates um, gestation. So mm-hmm. I remember being shown these, which have been proven wrong with sonograms, but we were showing these like, uh, you probably too, Robin, right? Yep. These these gross um, portraits of what a baby supposedly yes. looked like in the womb. And it looked like um, reptilian yeah. is the best way yeah. to describe it. And they're like, oh, it's like a polywog. And then it goes into a frog stage. And then it goes into like a lizard stage. And then it loses its tail. Yeah. And it was like, first of all, I was like, oh, I'm never doing that. You know, I'm not going to get pregnant because I don't want a monster inside of me. So a lot of the young girls, you know, and even into the you know 70s and early 80s, thought that it was sure. something like that. And that was the lie that they were told until sonograms were fully developed. Which is why the little feet pin yes. really would make such an impression. Yes. That perfectly yes. formed little yeah. feet. There's no tail. There's no lizard no. feet with talons, you know. Right. So then when you're 17 and you're saying this time... I have to see this baby to term and yeah. And all the sacrifices. I mean, Trish, Mm -hmm. you know, I know there was a lot of condemnation, but I'm always, I'm already looking at, wow, you're willing to give up cheerleading. This is huge. And Mm -hmm. give up your senior year honor roll um, to bring a child to life. Mm -hmm. That's already somewhat redemptive. You know, it's, it's the beginning of the story of redemption, isn't it? Yeah, and I didn't see it that way at the time. I just was ashamed and yeah. wanted to drop out. <laughs> you know, yeah. I didn't think like, oh, I'm doing this wonderful thing. 
it was like, oh my goodness, I don't want anyone to see me, and I don't want to see anybody. I don't right. want to see the condemnation in their eyes, and um, yeah, and so just the feeling like I had ruined my life, and my boyfriend, of course, he was going on with his life, and um, just felt very alone and abandoned, and um, but it, I mean, it really was those women who who were there for me, who didn't let me say no, I don't want you to come over. My, my uh, pastor's wife would come over and sit in the corner of the room and pray for me, and I just could have my back to her and pretend I was asleep because I didn't want to talk mm. to her. But she would still come over and mm. just be there and pray, and these women gave me a baby shower. Um, so it was at the church. <laughs> it was like they loved me when everybody else was completely gone was completely out of my life out of my like you know this is before cell phones text messages social media um you know the, the the phone on the wall was not ringing um but it was during that time that um my heart started to soften and, and no doubt because of those prayers of those women and um i remember one day waking up i was about six months along and like i have messed up my life and i thought about like when was i happy and it was when I was at church and hearing the Bible stories and hearing about God loves me and learning the memory verses. And I just wanted that again. And I, I prayed, I'm like, God, I have messed up big time. If, if there's anything you can do with my life, please do. And it was like that simple prayer. It was, I was laying in bed. It wasn't like I wasn't at, at an altar or anything. And this light came in, this hope came in, this, um, like, I believe that God did have a plan for me and my baby. Like, oh, wait, I, I can't have a future. Like, God's going to do something, which is nothing short of a miracle because I had no plan. I had no idea what, what I was going to do after I had my baby. And all of a sudden, I had this desire to read my Bible. I started reading my Bible. I went to church with my mom. And I just remember, like, worshiping, like, really worshiping. And here I am, this huge old stomach, and just, like, lifting my hands and worshiping God, which is a complete change from just sleeping in and being by myself and not you know, doing anything all day. I'm thinking of how Jesus said, when one sinner repents, how all of heaven rejoices. <laughs> yeah. But I'm thinking about what joy you brought to all those women who have prayed for you. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. you're their trophy of grace, man. They were like... They were probably like, look at her. She's even worshiping. Isn't this wonderful? I mean, you could just see them. You know, I know those type of church ladies having grown up in church, the giddy ones that just get so excited when they see Jesus answer prayers. And I can already see like the beauty that you brought to their lives. And wow. Okay. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. I just had to say it. No, you're good. (laughs) You're good. Yeah. And I feel like at the time, I'm just thinking again that, oh, I've messed up and, you know, maybe, maybe something could turn out okay, like somehow. Like it was, even though there was the faith there, I still had no idea um, where I was going to end up. But I did start praying for a future husband. I'm like, God, I need someone who will love me. I'm tired of the guys I've chosen who have just used me and hurt me. Um, You know, if you can bring someone, please do. And um, so Corey was born on June 21st, 1989, and, uh, you know, I was 17, so I had my baby, <laughs> came home from the hospital the same day, um, was home that evening, had like 3 o'clock in the morning, was home that evening, and we were only home, oh, probably like three or four hours when um, I got a phone call from my grandma that says uh, John Boyer was going to come over, 
and that was our pastor's name. So I thought, oh yeah, pastor, pastor Gloria's going to come over. And they're like, no, his son is going to come over. And I'm like, oh wait, that cute drummer boy that he was like, uh, he, he kind of led up the young adults. Um, they did went on ski trips, and it was a tiny church, like a hundred people. But they would do these things, and they're like, yeah. And so he came by and brought a teddy bear. And said, you know, if there's anything I can do. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is the sweetest. And you were really cute. And, wow, I can't believe you, like, came over the day I had my baby and brought a teddy bear and a card. Um, but the funny thing is, so, you know, he was the pastor's son. So that pastor's wife that had been sitting in my room praying was his mom. Wow. And years and years before, um, when I would just go to church, like, Easter and Christmas, um, he was in the military, and he was come home from the military, and one day he saw me. It was not a big church, and he asked his mom, like, who was that girl? And he's like, I just thought she was so beautiful. And his mom had said, that's Trisha Waddell. Stay away from her. She's trouble. So, <laughs> and I was. I was trouble. But now that I had my baby, I was at church. I was worshiping God like I was trying to do the right thing. His mom actually called my mom. And said, hey, if John asked Trisha on a date, uh, would she go with him? Okay, I'm loving this woman. <laughs> I am absolutely I in love with I your know. pastor's wife. Yeah, which is your mother in law. Yeah, my mother in law, because three months before, or four months before, or five months, whatever, I was like turning my back on her, not wanting yes. to talk to her. And here she is, like, well, they go on a date. <laughs> so, wow. And I'm like, yeah. And so she told him, you should ask Trisha on a date. I've already said, talked to her mom. And so John called me up. And uh, so he was 22, I was 17. Wow. And <laughs> almost 18. And we went on our first date. And from that first date, like, I'm like, this is it. Like, this is the answer to prayer. I am not letting go of this guy. Um, and we just, uh, it was like, we just talked for hours. It was like so different than any other relationship I'd been in. And he loved God and he was so considerate of me. And I remember we had this, our first date, Corey was two weeks old. And I had my little baby car seat carrying this newborn as I'm going on a date with this <laughs> guy. And people would be like, oh, you must be such a proud dad. And I, like, would want to explain. He's like, yeah, I'm really proud. So it was oh. just, like, the sweetest oh. that he was just so caring and considerate. And so we got engaged when Corey was uh, four months old and married when he was nine months old. Wow. So it was truly, like, when I'm like, God, you know, bring me a future husband. God's like, here you go. <laughs> here you go. Uh, right away. Okay, but what's also incredible is, you know, how many marriages, teenage marriages, actually last. Right. And you think you got married at 18, I suppose, right? Yep, I was 18, and he was he had turned 23, so he was 23. Yeah, and I mean, that's such a God story right there. I mean, any marriage yep. that lasts, but especially a young marriage like that. But, you know, you can see that the Holy Spirit is already directing your paths. You know, absolutely. I love that. And there's so much power in prayer. Yes. And to, I'll insert here this note that Trisha and I wrote a book together a decade and a half ago that's called Praying for Your Future Husband. She and I have very polar opposite 
stories growing right, up. Right. And yet we both prayed for our future husbands. And so this book was a chance for us to tell that story. Like, it doesn't matter where you've come from or how, but you pray. You pray, you surrender everything to the Lord. And the that book just keeps selling and selling because there are, and we keep getting mail and mail, because at whatever age or whatever place around the world, uh, we even had this one letter from a teen in Switzerland that she and her mom started a group, and they have a prayer group in Switzerland to pray, all these young women praying for their future husband after reading this book and going through it. And so what's so precious about it is that God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't yeah. say, well, I gave you 17 years to figure it out, Tricia, and you didn't get it, so that's it. But it's like anytime we turn to the Lord, He meets us right there and answers those prayers. So. Now, you know, I have kind of the opposite story. I had a prayer that I wrote out saying, Lord, this is why I'll never get married, because I want them <laughs> to have this attribute, this attribute, this attribute, this attribute, this attribute. And I had this long laundry list of what I wanted. And so my mom was praying for him. And I was praying like, there's not a person like this. And then I remember meeting my spouse, Brian. And at one point, I broke up with him, and I went and looked at my laundry list. I found it in my closet where I was cleaning out my closet, and there it was. And the Lord's like, what did I miss? And I was like, you Oops. got them all. <laughs> so I guess I think this contract that I wrote you in prayer is you know, null and void. Listen, we had to put a chapter in Praying for Your Future Husband that was titled The List, because every woman has one, whether it's, as you're saying, here's all the reasons yes. why I shouldn't, but it's just that complete surrender to God. And Tricia, um, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, Tricia, but when we when the book came out, and Trisha and I both did a lot of small groups and used the book, and we had um, just these great stories from groups that Trisha was meeting with that were um, single moms. Or why don't you tell that story and how they you put the list on the chalkboard for them? Yeah, and I love that Robin knows all my stories. I know. <laughs> tell that one. <laughs> yeah, so um, I've mentored teen moms for 20 years and love, I mean, because I'm like, God can have big plans for you just like he had big plans for me. He does have big plans for you. And we do these meetings and um, for 13 years, it was an inner city Little Rock. Wow. And so, we're, I mean, we're talking, you know, the girls that haven't left the six square blocks of where they grew up, that there's shootings every night. And it's, it's rough. It's a rough part of town. And I remember being there and, you know, the first time we ever had a marriage panel, like, let's talk about marriage. And I'm like, what questions do you have? And their questions were like, why would you get married? It was such a concept. <laughs> and I realized as we're trying to get them to ask about communication, <laughs> like all these things about marriage topics, they, they just, didn't even plan on getting married. And I said, how many of you have ever seen a healthy relationship? And out of 20 girls, one of them had an aunt and uncle that had a really healthy relationship. And that was it. Wow. None of them had parents that were married. Dads wow. were not involved. Their baby daddies were not involved. And so as I'm trying to help them figure out, like, okay, let's pray for your future husband. But it's really hard when they never even plan on being married. They're sexually active at a super young age. They have multiple kids by multiple guys. And so as I was thinking about this, I got this bulletin board or this whiteboard and said, okay, let's talk about the characteristics. If you were to make a list of your future husband, what characteristics would you have? And they're like, I'm not getting married, you know, the whole thing again. I'm like, if, if you were going to get married 
And they're like, not in jail. Okay, well, that's always an important one. (laughs) That's a good start. There's a little bit more not on drugs, not in a gang. Like, okay, I'm like, okay, what what are some positive things? (laughs) Um, And one said, nice to his mama. I'm like, oh, that's actually really good. That is a super good one. Yeah, super good one. Kindness Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. hardworking. And we started just listing all these things, you know. Uh, seeks God and they're like there ain't no one out there I'm like there, there is there is and so we'd go through these things and I'm like would you you know we have like 30 things on the board would you want a guy like this that's trustworthy that cares for you that's committed that um, you know is seeking God that is kind to his family and, and considerate to you is hardworking all these things and they're like yeah and then I'm like, okay, let's let's pray for this. And I'm like, and what kind of woman do you need to be to get a guy like this? Mm, mm, and they're mm-hmm. like, Miss Trisha, you tricked us. <laughs> <laughs> let's put this list uh, up against your life, girls, and see how you're doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And so, really, but it was. I mean, honestly, they wouldn't listen to me except I had the story of I was where you are. Yeah, I was pregnant. I was abandoned. I didn't know my biological dad either. It's like that my story reflected theirs, but I was able to say, but God, like, look what God did in my life. And, you know, it's amazing. Some of them have gotten married. Some of them are in committed relationships. Some of them aren't. (laughs) One of them has, she's pregnant with her eighth baby. Last time I saw her, um, it's all different dads. I mean, it's hard, but it's also to know that my story can give them hope that, you know, some of them will listen and some of them will make different choices. It's huge when all their lives they've just heard a different thing, which is there's no guys around and you just have babies to get more money yeah. from the system. And it's, it's just so completely different and to see that some of them have made different choices and are going to church and they're seeking God and that have relationship with God is amazing and huge. And it just makes me see that God did use my story, you know, Absolutely. once I surrendered to him. Yes. He's like, oh, you want to wait and see what I can do with it? <laughs> Here and we you know, go. You're- that's when it becomes a story, doesn't it? Because before that, it's like, it's a drama with no way out. And then when God mm-hmm. enters the picture, he makes it a story. And there we are, the beauty for the ashes. Uh, yes, with we, all the pieces. We are. So uh, you and John are married, and you already have your first son. And then you have... Two more, a, a daughter, and then another son, and then that okay. was the point when you and I met when you were pregnant with your third one, and you started writing. Okay, but then yes, you cannot go any further. <laughs> okay, because we're out of time. That's what I was going to say. Okay, when good. we come back, That's we want to hear how you ended up with. 10 children, yes. and you've been homeschooling for 800 years or something. I don't know. <laughs> What's the distance to the sun? <laughs> yes, yes. And so this, I love that this foundation is so clear that God's mm-hmm. redemptive power has been at work in your life. And then what he's done since then is just pretty remarkable. Well, yeah, because yeah. I think it all begins with God gave her a story. And then she began to write stories. I mean, it's just, you know, he puts the story in you and then the story has to be told. And I love that because of how much it ministers, you know. I mean, I'm thinking of all the people so far that have been blessed by your life. Yes. Just, you know, that know you. You know, first of all, you've got 
the ladies at the church, totally blessed because the Lord Mm -hmm. answered their prayer. The pastor's wife, because she got a daughter-in-law that loves her, respects her, and now doesn't ignore her or pretend to sleep on her. (laughs) And the pastor's son who got a wonderful wife. And And the readers and the girls in Arkansas who had somebody who understood them. Yeah. Which is just um, well, and a phenomenal. lot of that, Trisha, mm-hmm. is just this is my story, and I'm just going to trust God and let that be part of what I talk about, rather than the the shame or pulling back or well, which is a whole other part with the healing and then the pregnancy yes. that came out of that. Because even before I could work with girls, God had to do a huge healing in my life because there's no way I would have been able to share the story at Ooh, all. I can't wait to hear the healing yeah. story. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. going to that's gonna be so good. And you know, and I also, I also so appreciate your openness again because I think that when we're dishonest, nobody gets help. You know, when we're like covering it over and, you know, um, nobody's to know my story, nobody gets help. But when we're open about these are my struggles, this is where I was, then People do relate and they're saying, okay, I don't have to be perfect for God to love me. I don't have it all, you know, have to have it all together because we so easily as believers go under the law, you know, with Mm -hmm. the shoulds and should nots. And we think everybody else has their act together, (laughs) but me, you know, that's exactly how I feel on our writers group. Everybody is a great writer. That's not true. And let's just look at the Old Testament. And yes. see the stories that God yes. wrote of his people so we could see warts and all. Right? That's right. I love it. I love it, too, with David. Okay, we are really, really out of time. Okay. So this is our cliffhanger. To be so continued. We are coming back yes. next week with the rest, the healing story of yes. Trish. This is so exciting. I'm Robin Jones-Gunn, and this is Cheryl Burderson. And you are who? Trisha. Trisha Boyer. Yes. yes. And we will be back. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Robin on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WWK at CCCM.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn.